all around, not running, walking, race walking. You can't help yourself. When the music comes on, I can't. You start grooving. It's so it's catchy. It's got a super catchy riff. It's got a beat, and you can dance to it. <laughs> Is that uh, what was that dance competition? Are you referring to the? It was from the seventies. Yeah, I, f- I forget what it was. Solid gold? No. I don't know what it was. So train not that. It wasn't it? that. Okay. Um anyway. Don this Cornelius. is like trees Sorry. walking. <laughs> I'm just spewing out. You are. You're making this a ragged start <laughs> to our comeback. This is our comeback. We haven't recorded in a while. This is like trees walking. I am Michael J. Nelson, and here is the pastor. Um David Berge, David Paul Berge, D. Paul Berge, whatever you want. And uh, I'm going to throw it to you. What is this podcast about? This podcast is a podcast where we talk about the big questions, the questions of life, of faith, of existence, of theology. What does it all mean? What do I believe? Should I believe anything? Uh, We do it from an explicitly, and I use that word advisedly, an explicitly Christian perspective. So we're we're, spit that out. Yeah, we're Christians, but we swear a lot. So we're cool. So you don't think we're like those lame (laughs) ones. Not what the word explicit means at its core. Yes, this is a a Christian point of view is going to be coming at you. However, we invite anyone to listen, no matter what what your worldview is, what your... uh, Weltschung. Weltschung, whether you are... Uh, whether you have Weltschmerz, <laughs> what's that? That's uh, I, I believe that. that's world weariness. It's a sort of a philosophical term. I, I, of, I feel like you have some Weltschmerz <laughs> to you, Mike. Overall, I have a little Weltschmerz. I'm a little Saturnine. That's an old where you're under the 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 influence of, of Saturn. Saturn. What was so Saturn's it, influence? It it made you uh, have Weltschmerz. Okay, <laughs> <It made you laughs> a sort of sad and ER like person, I believe. It'll probably rain. Exactly. So, anyway, that's what we do on this podcast. We talk about the big issues of life or the seemingly small issues that have larger implications. You know, this is really about that type of stuff. Right. And um, we also mess around a little bit. So, (laughs) um, we're going to do that today. We're going to take on a big question, and then we have a little little lighthearted stuff in the... Second half of the program, so yeah, we 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 you know go deep. It's like the beginning of practice, you know, where your coach has you running. We do the running at the beginning because we want to get your mind in shape. But then at the end, you know, there's the fun games to um, that make it like okay. It's all about delayed gratification for us here. At uh, it's like the, it's the marshmallow test. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I have seen that. That is one of my favorite things. Please look it up. It's a video, so I can't describe it, and I won't waste time describing it, but look up the marshmallow test. But by the end of this podcast, your brain will be bathing in dopamine. We'll just be giving you dopamine hit after dopamine hit with the, with the entertainment. Right. Uh, so we're doing an ethical dilemma in the second half. I right? believe, Yeah, we're doing a, a, a very au courant, topical ethical yes, dilemma. Yes, this is of the moment. Ripped from the headlines, almost as if we were an episode of CSI or one of those procedural programs. Rip, that was me ripping. Uh, but first, let us take on the big issue of the day. We will, and this is by uh, this is by request. So shout out, you know who you are. Yes, uh, friend of the pod, uh, friend of me and Mike, um, church 
churchman. <laughs> yes, standing out in a, a sunny day in Minnesota, it was delightful. Oh, it, was, it was an awesome. It was a Sunday afternoon, how like a how like kind of a going away housewarming, but like warming it to the next. It'll be warm for yeah, the next person who comes in. Next person <laughs> as they left, and pulled, a delightful party. Yeah, the sunshine. The grain belt northeast was in the bottle. It was <laughs> yeah. it was crisp. It was cool, and uh, and we're talking on the deck. Um, and, uh, you know, talking to a friend of the pod, and he says, hey, we talked about this. So he, t- so he said this, and this is really what we think he's getting at. So, Mike, I'm going to put it out there. And we're okay. going to talk about that big question. So he's yep. saying, you know, you ever talk about basically, you know, so here we are, we're talking about, um, it, we're, we're talking about the Christian faith and particularly like how, you know, here's all of these, you know, bits of evidence or, you know, things arguing in its favor and why we find it overall to be compelling, you know, but at the end of the day, any like kind of, you know, foundational commitment that one makes, whether that's Christianity or another ideology or religion, like at the end of the day, you know, there's only so much evidence, there's only so much proof, like it'll only get you so close to the place of saying, yes, I am committed to this, I I believe it, I give my whole life and existence to it, like all this is only going to get you so far. So at the end of the day, you're going to get to the edge of the cliff of where reason can take you. And so what we all have to do, no matter what our perspective is, you know, we close our eyes and, and we count, you know, three, two, one, and you just got to take a leap, a leap of faith. Mike, <sighs> got to take the leap. This is, uh, I think this has been, this is shared by secularists and Christians alike. I've heard many Christians say that to secularists, and I've heard that used as a pejorative against Christians, and here's what I have to say, All right. Dave, I completely, 100% reject this. 100%? You don't have to take a leap of faith. You don't have to close your eyes. What can you jump with your eyes open? What you tell you tell me? You you can open your eyes. You can enter fully into this. Look, it goes like this. Here's another criticism that's similar to that one: is that you only believe that because someone told you and or someone told someone else, yeah. and then you just heard it. It's all just coming through all these filters, and you didn't actually go there. You don't know what happened. You can never prove this, and so there's that leap of faith. It's like, yes, but that's true of everything, almost everything that you believe. I would say the vast majority of everything you believe is things you have not experienced, have not touched. And this is what I told him. I said, do you believe in Benjamin Franklin? Well, of course I believe in Benjamin Franklin. Did you see him? Did you touch him? Did you uh, talk to him? Do you know people who knew him? Like, of course I don't. (laughs) Somebody told you that he existed. You read the books. Those can be faked. So it's, it's about this level of evidence. And the level of evidence for Christianity does not rise any higher in that sort of leaping off a cliff to believe it than does anything else that you believe. That's my point. What say you, Dave? Well, is there... Doubter. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I get into the role-playing too yeah. much. I like, I'm like. i sorry I started strangling you during that. <laughs> that was, it was a little too much. <laughs> okay. All right. So is there... Uh, so I could concede, I think, that, that yeah, for the um, central truths of... Christianity, things about particularly things about Jesus, that the amount of you know evidence that we have is 
definitely comparable to, you know, particularly when we're talking about historical truths or things that we believe in historically, that there is, you know, an ample amount of evidence. More, I mean, in terms of ancient persons. Oh, like, I think it outstrips yeah, it's, almost it's, anything. It's, I think even secular historians would agree that the, the evidence in terms of ancient, especially that area of the world, yeah. but anything ancient, There's it outstrips lots of, yeah. anything in terms of the amount of evidence there's and just lots and lots and, and lots and lots and lots yes. of it to a degree i mean to a it's a different like sort of qualitatively in, in degree it's just so much right um, which, which will be an entire other show which we will back that up we'll back up we'll back that thing up but um, <laughs> 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 sorry i don't know that that can't help with your pop culture references that means but okay but is there a difference between believing and saying like yeah of course like i accept you know, I, I accept that the evidence, you know, meets the same standard. And so I'm not making a leap of faith in terms of like believing something that might or might not be true or probably isn't true. But belief then as the the faith commitment, you know, the saying like, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. So I am committing my life to, you know, I'm going to be a follower of Christ. So I'm going to accept the, te- you know, the teachings of Christ and live by those. Is there a, you know, like... Like the evidence can get you so far, at some point you have to make a an existential commitment, right? Yes. Is there a yes. distinction there? I think there is. I mean, that's not that's not the leap. That's the commitment. That's exactly what you say that it is. But you it's can't that, say a leap. Like, can a commitment be a leap? Like, but I think that the, here the, we it, go. It confuses the the issue that the the leap is is what people mean when they say the leap is the blind leap, the leap that involves this sort of you know, letting go of your reason and getting into this thing. But you never have to let go of your reason. I, I was looking at, uh, there's a passage about, uh, from Mere Christianity, where we, I know we reference C.S. Lewis a lot, but it's okay. what can we say? He's a giant. Um, in Mere Christianity, he talks about uh, when you enter into Christianity, you're not letting go of your intelligence. You will be tried more than you ever have. And uh, it's a workout. You'll you it'll raise your intelligence. Uh, God will use every bit of you, and so there is no. I, I just don't want that to get confused. Do you understand about the 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 leap of faith? Meaning, in some people's minds, meaning you shut off your brain, yes, and you accept these things, even though they're utterly ridiculous. I that's what I fully reject. As far as the leaping headlong into Christianity and and accepting the propositions and then accepting the teachings of, of Christ and taking them on. Fine. If you want to call that a leap, I you know, that's that's fine. But let's not confuse these okay, two things. Okay. So we need to differ we're differentiating leaps. How about a, a plunge into the the cooling water that is the truth or something yeah, like that? Yeah, take the plunge. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, go yeah. you go like beneath the surface and you explore for I think it's I think the leaping isn't, uh, it's a good metaphor in the sense of beginning the life of faith because there, with a leap, there's an inherent sort of danger, risk, excitement, you know, a mix between excitement and fear. And like, can I really do this? Even though you know you can. I mean, I still think of when I get like on a roller coaster, there's still that like twinge of like fear and excitement. It's like, okay, I know like this is going to be a thrill ride, I'm going to be safe. You know, but like, do I still like? There's that like, do I still want to do this? Do I still sure? Do it's this? it's the the kids at the top of the high board, you know. Yeah, pausing, and you know that you're going to leap in, and nothing is going to happen and, to you, or and you'll be better for it. Or a, a a person afraid of flying gets on the plane, puts their faith in 
the pilot in the engineers and says, I'm going to get on the plane now. I'm going to do it. So if you want to talk about that as the leap, that's fine. But it's not a leap based on uh, blind faith. Those, those are the two things that I think you need to tease out in that statement. So we're talking about, yeah, the, the evidences of Christianity. It's not a uh, close your eyes. It's not true. Shut off your mind. You know, right. Timothy Leary, tune in, turn on, and drop out. Was that what he said? Right, exactly. Yeah, just sort of uh, a uh, checking, checking your brain. Just give up and, and give in to this thing which doesn't make any sense at all. And, you know, Alice in Wonderland, just like, let it... <laughs> I can. Be- I believe, to, what does the Queen say? Like, I can believe ten impossible, ten impossible things, before, things breakfast. before breakfast. <laughs> or uh, like the, you know, uh, in 1984, Orwell, like, when Winston Smith, it's like, it had taken 40 years. But he finally, you know, he finally learned, like, he loved Big Brother at oh, the yeah. end. Like, he, Oh, man. Oh. That is... I just revisited that movie by a little... Can we go in a little yeah. Eddie, a little current of Let's Eddie. go. So good when he, uh, Richard Burton, one of my favorite actors. The great uh, Richard Burton. Great Richard Burton, not the explorer. Um, he, uh, he tells him it is, and, and this is from the book, I believe, it is not enough that you obey Big Brother. You must love him. And so, mm-hmm. so he tortures him until he believes that two plus two equals five, but he doesn't actually love him for having made him do that. It's so great. Like the, He wants the complete control over mm-hmm. his mind and his will. And that is not no 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 no. Christianity is. You don't have to give up your mind or your will, as Mister Lewis said. It will be your your true intellect and your true self will be used through God through Christianity because you're entering into truth. So there is no blind leap. That's all I'm saying. It's a it's a revelatory. I, I I'd say it's only. Let's say that it could be a blinding leap in the sense that um, the sun. You know, one when one has been living in darkness and then one is fully exposed to the sun for the first time, there can be a blindingness in that, right? That can almost be overwhelming to one's senses or too much to take in. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe, again, returning to the, the plunge thing. Do you remember the, uh, you're probably too, you're too young. You, oh, you millennials. Don't. <laughs> the classics have eluded you. No, uh, the Nest Tea plunge. People would take a sip I've of, heard of, it. of Nest Tea and then it would be pulled back and revealed that they're standing near a pool and they would just fall backwards into this pool in the hot sun, you know, and yeah. then they were plunged into this thing. So that I'll accept. So it's like the nest he plunge, which is almost baptismal. Exactly. In its resonance. Exactly. So okay, all right. So I think we've uh, we've 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 hashed this one out. Well, there's another element to it that he was also getting at, and I think it relates to it, but okay. it's not the exact same thing. He was talking about the level of evidence. In other words, um, it, you know, you can get to a certain point with the evidence and then you take the plunge. Yeah. And I just touched on that with him is that the uh, uh, there's a, a degree of skepticism that becomes absurd at a point with Christianity. Because, the, as we said, it, of all ancient texts, there's, there's more attestation to this event, to the things, you know, look into it. It holds up well. There's nothing to be afraid of from a Christian point of view to have you investigate fully. But at a certain point, uh, that level of evidence requires a bit of your will to come towards the evidence and acknowledge it in an honest way, like you do every other thing in your life that anyone tells you. Like, I was giving him the example of, um, 
you know, like I, I, I saw Dave Berge and he was in Omaha. And somebody else goes, oh, Dave Berge, he hates Omaha. He doesn't go to Omaha. He was never there. What are you talking about? I don't believe it. No, I saw him. I talked to him. I, <laughs> he told me about why he went there. He, I, he acknowledged he doesn't like to go to Omaha, but I saw him. No, he just doesn't go there. That's what he told me. But that's a level of skepticism that is not warranted. You know, you have the evidence there, but you just refuse to believe. It's like that, that's the point of Christianity is it was an extraordinary event, but it's attested to, and that's why everyone talked about it, because mm-hmm. it was an extraordinary event. Dave Berge doesn't go to Omaha. Well, he did, and so I can that's tell you why, why it was extraordinary, yeah. and now I have the reasons why he did, and, and, and this is all now believable because people attested to it, people I trust, people who saw him, etc. Accepting so. the, so yeah, the evidence of accepting the testimony of a trusted witness, even for, you know, an extraordinary uh, claim, like me going to Omaha, I don't like going to, and it's true i don't like going to omaha i'm sorry people from nebraska have we do you, have a have big you been i have never been i have been to omaha you know and you we, don't like going you're i was wow, a kid this... maybe i need to go back people like it now you know it's got kind of a like a hipster vibe who is who's from there? bright eyes connor oberst or something oh okay. he was sort of a indie darling from sure. the mid yeah, aughts yeah. you know and but i've never met omaha steaks delicious Get them in a box. That's, that's about all. That's I got. all you're gonna. That's about all I got. People <laughs> like it. It's it's like a. It's got a good music. I guess it's got a good music scene. I'm sure there's some good, you know, craft beers down there or something like that. I'd but. like to say for the record that uh, like trees walking officially loves Omaha. <laughs> David Berge's opinions are not the opinions of the editorial board of Like Trees Walking. I'm just speaking for myself. Uh, retweets do not equal endorsements uh, <laughs> or something like that. Uh, the uh, but the I mean yeah, skepticism can be. Um, unhealthy and taken to an obscene level, and I think that maybe um, it's analogous. It's not totally the same, of course, but some of the things I see that people like on the particularly the internet. <laughs> yes. we, we love to go against the internet here. We do, and things we find on the internet. But where I see like obscene levels of skepticism, like I, I saw someone sharing the other day, like they're like, you know what? Like I don't. The, there's no such thing as the nuclear bomb, because like. Look at those test videos. How could everything gets blown away? How could the camera survive and the film, sur- you know, how could the film survive? And not even to get started on things like, new, you know, um, cri- uh, what do they call them, crisis actors or whatever. And the people are like, none of these like shooting things ever happened because they're just the government's recycling the same actors and these same things. Like, wow. so, like the Sandy so Hook shooting. How, oh, yeah. So there's that's people how conspiracy with, theories yeah. start is that a certain level of skepticism. But I think. And a lot of times, if if people look honestly at their skepticism towards Christianity, it does involve a lot of emotional aspects, too, where they just refuse to, maybe they were, as a young person, were were in some way hurt by the church or hurt by experiences and things like that, which I I totally get. I'm not denying that. But I'm just talking about that. That sometimes comes to bear in that level of evidence that they refuse to accept. And it's and it so then it's an interesting question to unearth all that and go just where does that come from? Not just a hey, a healthy skepticism or a incredulity or I don't want to be a dupe or you know, but just a I can't like there's a part of me that refuses, no matter what you say, right. just refuses to take that plunge. Right. Um, there's there's an old saying, if God gives us a thousand reasons to believe in him, we'll ask for a thousand and one. And even that won't be good enough. Right. Yeah. So, so where, yeah, where does that refusal, no matter what the evidence, 
to to take the plunge? Where where might that come from? That could be a, a painful but really helpful exercise for someone who's like, you know what, I I I, I just I, I can't go there. Well, 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 why? We want to get you to the point that the point of asking. Well, why not? Yep, there's a lot of uh, we've mentioned it before. There's a lot of. Uh there is no God, and I hate him out there. Yeah, and, and that's, that's just something, weird. <laughs> yeah, something How, to look at. Why do you hate someone that you don't think exists? <laughs> I don't believe in unicorns, and I hate them. <laughs> With every fiber of my being, and I will devote I'll hours of my life <laughs> yeah, about <laughs> how much I hate these non-existent creatures. So anyway, that's uh, we sort of ranged around, but that was the, the topics that were brought up to us at this lovely picnic slash barbecue slash going away party and hopefully this uh, podcast that went right to this person is helpful in some way to more than if it's just him that's fine too actually yeah oh i assume there's always only one person listening to this at any given time (laughs) (laughs) usually my parents maybe my wife basically a personal podcast we just hand these out we just give it back (laughs) to the person who requested it Your personal podcast. If, so if you're listening in, we appreciate. Isn't that. there like a Diana? Not Diana. I'm sorry. What? Who's the woman? Like I want to dance with somebody. No, that's Whitney Houston. Oh my goodness! Who's the? You are <laughs> Tina Turner. Personal dancer. Isn't? Doesn't she have an? Album? I'm your private, private dancer. dancer. Yeah, there we go. Dance up for money. Which I believe she sang uh, at the age when she was a grandmother. Oh boy. Yeah. Private podcast. Inappropriate. I would say. Tisk tisk. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, wait. Wh- let me just before we take the break, and we will in just a second. Let me run through the people you went through to get to Tina Turner. <laughs> all right, please. <laughs> it was uh, first of all, Di- was it like Diana, Diana Ross, Ross, Whitney Houston, and then Tina? I, Turner. That's not bad. I got there in three steps. Well, I was thinking eighties. So- okay, so I was thinking aged someone who would have been aged in the eighties. That's where I got Diana Ross from, but who was oh. also like a soul, you know, a soul singer. So that's where Diana Ross came from. And then I was like, no, no, no. It's like a, it's like an 80s, like, you know, R&B icon. That's where I got Winnie Houston. Okay. And then, you know, <laughs> thesis, antithesis, synthesis got me to uh, Tina. I accept that. In a way, though, it's like you're the, um, uh, you know, a mom who, have you ever heard... And and my wife does this so and did it with our kids. An imam or a mom? A mom. <laughs> a mom. I'm sorry, okay. I stuttered. A mom when they're trying to call a kid and then they run through every name yeah. that's ever existed in their <laughs> yeah. life. It's a little like that. I have hey, three kids. Joe, so John, Jim, I John, do that John, a lot. Aunt Betty, Sue. What's your name? You with the face. Yeah. On that note, let's take a break <laughs> yeah, and please. we'll be back with uh, more like trees walking. Hey, everyone, we want to thank you so much for listening to Like Trees Walking, and there's a few things you could do to help us out. Please, please, if you could, rate us and review us on iTunes or whatever uh, you know app or program you use to listen to this podcast. That would be a huge help. Um, you can also go to our website, liketreeswalkingpod.com. There you can sign up for our email newsletter, read our bios, and we have, of course, all of the old episodes are there as well. And if we ever have any live events or anything like that, there's more information there. Uh, you can go on the Facebook and look for Like Trees Walking Podcast. You can like us there. We post some great content there. Follow us on Twitter at LTWPod, at LTWPOD. 
And of course, uh, if you want to check in on our individual shenanigans, there's always um, at Michael J. Nelson. That's uh, always very, very funny that Mike Springies. And then there's uh, at David underscore Berge, uh, which is more ad hoc and in between and weird. So um, do whatever you want. But we thank you so much for listening. So keep uh, keep sharing it, keep supporting us, and uh, we'll try to keep giving you thoughtful conversation and uh, good content. Thanks a lot. And we are back, and this is still Like Trees Walking. You haven't switched the channels on the radio or anything like that. I am still Michael J. Nelson. I'm still David Berge. David is on his phone right now. I assume he's doing words with friends. Do people still do that? <laughs> no, wasn't it? Didn't Alec Baldwin do something on a plane where he got in like a fight oh, yeah. on a plane? He, he, did he chuck the phone at anyone, or did he just sort of scream and... He was told to turn it off. And yeah, he said, and he like playing. what he's like. I'm playing with friends. He's a but you know what? he's a very gentle man, wonderful man, a wonderful person, a great human being, warm and wonderful. Coffee's for closers, <laughs> Dave. Let's jump into it. Here's the theme. Oh yeah, it, it, for 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 longtime fans of the pod, you'll Sometimes you'll know what's coming. Yeah. Bum 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 bum. Chorus of kids, always good. Mike like, why doesn't Mike like, why doesn't Mike like, Mike, why doesn't Michael J. Nelson like these things that other people like? What's wrong with him? Why don't you like good things that people, all right, that's enough. All right, right, that is the department. It is obviously not my invention. This would be invented by Pastor David Berge. And what do you have for me today? Yeah, so this is where we look at things that, you know, most every other person in the world likes, but for some reason or another, Michael J. Nelson does not like. And so we've uh, covered things like Star Wars before, but today uh, we'll bring you back to the barbecue, back to the, uh, back to our gathering where it came out. There was another revelation there, uh, something that Mike doesn't like because we were talking about somehow birthday parties came up, (laughs) adult birthday parties. Yes. And Mike was like, oh, no, I, oh, I hate those. I can't stand it when adults have birthday parties. Just to, to set the scene, I was in my uh, folding aluminum lawn chair. I had no shirt on, and I had plaid <laughs> pants, black socks, and uh, flip-flops on, and I had my hose. <laughs> I don't like birthdays. And I was squirting kids who came by my corner. <laughs> I so think what? that was accurate, right? Yeah, yeah yes. Uh, all right. Here's the deal. I cop to it. I cop to the fact that, like, I like birthdays in general. They're fine. I don't like them for myself. I never have. I suppose maybe when I was nine. I can't really put myself in the place of my nine-year-old self, but I assume that I like them then because I would get some, I mostly probably get dress pants from uh, Aunt Rhonda and stuff like that, but I would probably get something maybe, I don't know. Maybe there'd a be BB a, gun a toy or, or something in yeah. there. Yeah, a Red Rider with a compass in the stock, and uh, yeah. Uh, but no, adult birthdays. When people in their twenties throw their own birthday parties and invite everyone to them, I see this as just the most infantile, uh, puerile, infantile, infantilizing, <laughs> infantilizing. Yeah, I tried to make us turn there too quick. <laughs> Uh, it just is so childish to me and, and 
it strikes of a person who hasn't yet matured. I, you know, recognizing an adult's birthday. Hey, it's your birthday today. Here's a piece of lousy sheet cake, and let's get on with our lives. That's about as far as I'll go. <laughs> and what say <laughs> you're looking at me with you utter mudgeon, man? I and I, uh, I think that people don't do enough celebrating. Um, don't do enough. No, they don't do enough celebrating. They don't do enough work. You kids That's today, right. you're sitting around on your phones with your 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 you're listening to your Elvis records mm. and you're oh my god you're you're chewing your tobacco and and ruining the town square. <laughs> I guess I went a little too old there. All right, I'm sorry. Mike. So yeah, people don't do enough celebrating. They they they. It's a great chance to get friends, especially families. I'll say. Um, that once families stop celebrating birthdays, like it, 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 you start drifting off. You don't. You, it's just a great excuse to get people together. You know, um, of course, yeah, you're celebrating someone's birthday, but more than that, you're just getting together to to be together, to have a good time, to talk, to catch up. It, these strong social bonds that we need to be thriving human beings in this world. One of the main ways we do them is through getting together via celebration. And when we don't do those, we weaken ties. And it's part of what's tearing this country apart is that this decrease in social capital, right? This Robert Putnam, you know, uh, bowling alone. This fact that we're more and more atomized, uh, alienated, and isolated from one another. It's because we're not having enough birthday parties. So the solution is to have parties where some self-absorbed idiot goes, look at me. I got older today. Everybody give me things. Yeah, that's the solution. All right. No, no, no. When adults have birthday parties, it's very, the most you're doing is probably buying their dinner. Yeah. Or a drink. Buy your own damn dinner. Michael J. Nelson's motto, buy your own damn dinner. Oh, gosh. Hey, Mike, Uh, I will be having a birthday party in uh, a little over a month. I'll be there. (laughs) I, I would like that to just... That's all I have to say on the matter. I think we've covered it. I would like yeah. other people to comment. Is is there anyone, I can't be the only one, who shares that opinion of every week you get some, come down and buy me drinks for my birthday or whatever. Oh you know, If you're talking about the family thing with getting families together, I have less of okay. an objection to that. Okay. I would still squirt you with my hose. Just, but I'd give you just the little spray to sort of let you know. And like, I get like the friends thing is good because getting together with friends is good, and people have less friends, and it's hard to make friendships. But there is also the annoying thing of like inviting people out to treat you. I will say that that itself is obnoxious. Or like, oh god, we have to go to some like expensive restaurant, and we're millennials, so we don't have any money anyways. You know, like so it's a it can be a burden. So I'll say just have people over to your uh, you know your apartment. Your loft, you know, your sweet artist loft. and Well, no, first, um, you know, play some kickball in your cut-off jean shorts with your dumb your mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then uh, come back to their place for some kombucha and, uh, and give oh, gifts of mustache wax and double-edged razors. Sound good? You kombucha hypocrite. I am. Physician heal thyself. All right. Um, so there you go. There's... Why doesn't Mike like? And I've explained it. I would like others who share my position Please, at uh, least understand my core objection to speak out, speak out, and, don't be and put your opinion on, <laughs> don't be on, silent. The, on, on the web. On the web, yeah, that's yeah. really helpful. All right, what 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 else? What else do we? Got? We have one more thing to talk. Oh, that's about, right. Too. We have an ethical dilemma. This is ripped from the headlines, straight from the headlines. This is uh, what is the date today? The twenty sixth. 
Yeah, April 26, 2017. When we were recording this. Um, recently, fairly recently, uh, a statue was placed in uh, near on Wall Street. Yes. Near the famous bull Charge, statue. The Charging Bull statue. Charging Bull is the is that the official name I of the I believe it is. Yes, Charging Bull. Trying to get bull. all the facts right here. Yes. Uh, another artist planted the Defiant Girl. Fearless Girl. Fearless Girl. Fearless Girl. Fearless Girl statue, which is sort of a... Uh, hard to describe physically. She's sort of standing astride. She's yeah. hips are kind of yeah. She's she's taking stance. this yeah defiant stance. You know, she's this small staring down the bull. Yeah, it's, I mean, in the charging bull. If you've ever been to Wall Street, it's a large. It's a It's a large statue. It's a very large bull. Yes, an ample sized bull. So this uh, person placed that statue as a part of the. Old installation. I think we can say the one statue does not work without the other yes. statue. If you just had Fearless Girl on a random corner without, not in uh, relationship to or opposition to something else, it, would, it wouldn't have the same, nearly the same effect at all. So, this artist, I don't know who it is, placed it there. I believe it was, uh, I just, something came to light that it was actually sponsored by some sort of corporation that was doing it as a stunt, which I think a lot of people don't know. And uh, look that up. I'm I'm 90% sure I, I just saw it, but I just don't remember the name of the... The corporate so is it entity. sponsored or paid for? It was by sponsored or paid for by art installation. I think it was supposed to be temporary, right? Like a temp. We're going to put this fearless girl in opposition to char- charging bull for a, a short period of time as an in temporary installation here on Wall Street, and then we'll remove it. But the response to fearless girl has been baffo, overwhelming. People, people, most people who visit it, I think, absolutely love it. I think the the review, reviews are rave. Because, you know, particularly I think people feel in this moment where, uh, you know, um, forces of uh, tyranny perhaps threaten to overwhelm uh, the country. Like well, here is well, some people. Feel some people. That way. Some, I'm saying some people feel that <laughs> there way. There are strong feelings about it. Some people both feel ways. that way. Some people feel and that, that way. That is, I think, the ethical dilemma. So let's uh, let's tease this out because this one I and I have. I don't think I have the answer for this. I'd like to talk it through right yeah. now, and we welcome your input because, uh, I don't know, do you have clearer thoughts on this? I don't, because, uh, okay, there, on, the one, on the one hand... Wait, wait, wait let's set it up. Right. It, the, the ethical dilemma is what? Oh, like, the ethical dilemma is, so... Who's, who's right? Should the... Should Fearless Girl be removed? Yes. Should she be left there? Because there's an objection from the charging from the, bull artist. Yes. And he's saying, you have fundamentally changed the meaning of my work, you know, from 1989. The meaning of that work was it was this symbol of American, you know, strength and particularly, you know, strength in New York City. After a a crash, right? Yeah, there was a crash in the, you know, what, late 80s? There was a stock market crash. When was the savings and loan thing? Uh, The Bailey savings and loan? That was in 1947, (laughs) I think. Uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah, there was a a, a recession or a a stock market crash in the late 80s. You know, New York City of the late 80s was struggling, one might say. I mean, you had crime was on the rise, you know, murder, uh, you know, AIDS crisis is hitting New York City. I mean, it was a rough decade, even though you had sort of the Gordon Gecko greed is good. You also had a, a a late '80s, you know, 
really a struggling New York City. Yeah, so here's it was a not sign. a good time. So no, this was, was a symbol of much like the you know the Iwo Jima flag raising sort yes. of was a symbol of look we can do this. This is a long slog, but we can do this. We have hope now. Yes, this was a symbol of hope, and it was universally loved. It was supposed to be also be temporary. Was placed by the artist a gorilla without style. gorilla yeah. style. He just at his own expense. That's like such a large thing. Like they removed it, that. and then because people objected, they put it back. So hopefully, through all of this, we've painted the picture. So the ethical dilemma is: well, now what? Now, yeah, because this guy's saying you have you know made my what was supposed to be a symbol of strength and hope. Um, and resolve in the face of difficulty, you've now made this bull into a symbol of, you know... Uh, aggression. Uh, aggression. Oppression. Oppression. You male know, dominance. Pa- patriarchy. Oppressive yes. patriarchy. I mean, to even equate it, I think people equate it now with the, you know, current uh, president and the misogyny that they associate with him, the aggressive misogyny they see. And so you've changed this bull from, you know, you've equated it um, with with that whole world, which is a yeah, very which, negative it, world, which the the artist who put it there did not intend in any way. Correct. Yeah. So fearless girl stands as this you know powerful symbol of opposition to oppression, but she has transformed this statue has transformed that statue to mean something totally different. And so he, I think he's saying you got to remove fearless girls. Got to go. Or you got you owe me something because you've changed my art. You've taken my art, and you have, uh, for from his perspective, it's been twisted. It's been perverted um, from what it was supposed to mean. So its meaning has been altered. Right. And where do you stand on this? Uh, can I add the one other fact that I yes. think makes this? This is why ethics sometimes are so difficult. Um, they did. They bought the land that he put it on and did make it a permanent installation. Yes. So this is. Fully, so his original guerrilla act was sort of reversed, or I don't know, turned around into a permanent installation. Whereas the girl is not correct. That not, was no. a guerrilla act yeah. on I, his thing. I, it had no permission. It had. I don't think so. It was not sanctioned by right. the people right. who right. own the land. Right. Or by obviously the the artist himself explicitly objects to it. Yes. Yeah. So, so now yeah. what? I mean, so, like, it, in much the same way that the original one, you know, which was a guerrilla act, was so beloved that they had to keep it there, uh, you're seeing, I think, a sim- uh, largely a similar response from people who go and visit Fearless Girl. People who are, you know, uh, going out to visit it, at least, seem to really love it and value it and appreciate um, the change in symbolism. So, I mean, you know, in... In some sense, I'm I'm definitely sympathetic towards this, you know, new piece of art. Uh, it's a new installation, almost uh, transforming its meaning. And so, for this this time and this place, uh, you know, uh, leave it there. I I, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm sympathetic to that, but I I disagree. So you think take it out? I I absolutely think take it out. I'm I'm completely sympathetic to people who like it, but. It's like, what if it happened on your yard? You don't own that spot. What if you had Who a... Who does own that? Uh, it's the people... It was like a trust or something to keep the statue there. If I'm not mistaken, that I believe that's the situation. So somebody put something on... It's like if you had a snowman and then someone put another snowman next to him with a gun at his head or something. And you're like, wait, that's not the... <laughs> yeah, but people love it. It's cool. 
I don't think you're allowed to do that, do you? You're changing a... It's a public... I mean, it's a public space. It's a public space, but it's private property. Well, we'll have to do the property examination. I mean, somehow the city of New York has a say in this, right? I'm assuming they do, because they... Yeah, because... Because otherwise, if it was just a piece of totally private property, I mean, who cares what objections, right? You could just come in. If you own it, you can just go pull it up and take it. No All questions right. asked. All right. right, let's do the ethical. Uh, here's my ethical uh, uh, teaching of what if everyone did it. So if this is this is the micro world of it, like okay, that's fine. Now, what if someone uh, puts the girl as uh, uh, a Marvel superhero and says, "I'm changing that. She's a Marvel superhero." And then everybody loved that because they love Marvel superheroes. And then someone puts uh, on the back of the bull, they put uh, Margaret Thatcher. And that's <laughs> supposed to mean that, and that's cool. But everybody thinks that's funny. That's because that's Margaret Thatcher. Like, you know what I mean? What if everyone did it? Are we allowed to do this? This The, the bull went through a process that was seemingly, uh, you know, everybody had input. This one does not seem to go through the official input, and so therefore well, I the, say... But the official process for the bull was after it was already out there. There was a reaction. Right. You and know, then they and it codified it into... So it didn't just stay. They removed it and then put it back. All right, so let's remove the girl, get the reaction, and then put it back. I, uh, whatever channels they went through th- for the other one, go ahead. Put it through the same channels that that went through, I guess would be my... And again, we're getting this is why it's this this one is so interesting because it's sifting such fine things because at this point I think the ethics do come down to legalities of who who's in charge of that uh piece of property who What if the uh, artist of the bull was dead? I don't think would that he, would change. Would anything. that change it, do you think? No, I don't think what so. What if he couldn't object? Well, let's paint a mustache on the Mona Lisa. I love it. It's yeah. funny. <laughs> or a finger stash. That'd be so <laughs> <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, Mike. Uh, no, I, I, I object to this, but, uh, you know, look, it, it seems to hinge on some fine points that maybe we don't have 100% grasp of, mm-hmm. even though we just gave more detail. than. <laughs> so I hope we're right on all those things. But uh, ultimately, I think, look, it, it's, it's, a, it's sort of defacing. And again, you could say the original guy defaced, which is why they removed it in the first place. So if this goes through that same process, then okay, fine. It's uh, I guess it's still dip- disputed territory, and and so I'd say it's what you could say that or ethically you should, if, if this is owned by someone else and they have a right to this property, then they should remove this piece. Uh, but that's not to say that's the end of the conversation. You could still, I think. Admit you're still allowed to advocate to say no, no, no. Sure. We need to go, bring go this through back. the official channels and and get it done, like apparently the bull did. So raise an uproar. I, I no, don't do that. Why not? What's wrong with an uproar? If it's taken away, uproars are so hard. Oh, oh, they're like birthdays. <laughs> it's just like why doesn't Mike work? like up, uproar? <laughs> no, I don't like mobs. I'll say that. And there seems to be. What about the wisdom of crowds? I'm. <laughs> They can guess like how many jelly beans are in. You know what? I I put as much stock in the wisdom of crowds as I do the wisdom of children. We're gonna have to do a podcast on that. Why doesn't Mike like the wisdom of children? I do not like the wisdom of children, and I'm here to say that and we will we'll do a podcast. But for now (laughs) We've we've taken on a big question in several directions. We have told you why Mike doesn't like something. We have uh, stumbled our way through an ethical dilemma. 
Yeah, and I think that uh, I, I hope that we've showed that that's uh, you know it's not easy to tease these things out, and so that's why uh, you know to be a, a judge uh, on these kinds of things, it's to hard. sift different levels yeah. of evidence and different weights of things. That's what that's ethics. It's where morals meet the rubber of the road. <laughs> at the table of the yeah, marketplace, marketplace oh, of God. ideas. Let's, let's stop while we're yeah. only slightly let's behind. Let's just, as we say, crash this thing into a tree and leave it right by the side of the road. A tree that was walking until we, <laughs> yeah. until we hit it. Wow, oh, we wrapped it up perfectly. That's the perfect yeah. time to end. Like Trees Walking, I'm Michael J. Nelson. I'm David Berge. And we'll see you next time. Burn